Hi, I'm Lippy. And I'm Grumpy. Together we're Lippy and Grumpy Do Podcasting. In this episode, Sky Control People, Care Homes, When Stag Do's Go Bad and Out of Office Messages. Now Lippy. Hello. I've a couple of observations from editing last week. Oh no. Yes, unfortunately. When we were talking about the man that brought the plane down. Yes. Or, or landed the plane, rather, rather brought it down. <laughs> yeah. You referred to the air traffic controller as the sky control people. But they are sky control people. They control the sky. They, they do. They may not quite like that term. I don't know. Wow. Who knows? I then committed a massive faux pas a bit later on. Did you? Um, yeah, I wasn't listening to you when you were talking about stalking your colleagues. Rude. Well, no, but I was, think I was trying to get the ne- the page up for the next bit or something along those lines. Anyway, you talked about using Rightmove to look at their houses, having been on um, Google Street View. Yes. And then you finished talking, and then I said exactly the same thing, completely <laughs> oblivious to the fact that you just said it. So um, so listeners wouldn't have heard that because I took my stupid comment Oh, well done. <laughs> yes. Now, I want to cover a serious topic for once. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, what was that? My serious that, hat. <laughs> okay, serious hat. And the subject of that, this is care homes. Mm. And some of you listeners will know uh, my mum's not been well of late. She has Alzheimer's and she had a seizure last June on her birthday, of all things. And has not been brilliant since. She's been in and out of hospital a few times with various ailments. And we've resisted the care home. Mm. Um, my sister has very generously been looking after her, but it, it's too much for one person. And, and also, I think two people just together, and that's all they see, it's, it's too insular. You need to have more people. We did a two-week respite uh, earlier this year in February, which was very successful. I was mm. expecting it to be a bit of a disaster, but um, because you have this preconceived idea that people going into care homes don't want to go. Yes. Anyway, she came out of that very happy. Um, she discovered a love of bacon for some unknown <laughs> reason, which I guess is is what happens when you have a, a buffet breakfast every morning. What's not to love about bacon? Absolutely right. And um, she was determined she wanted to go back in one. And we tried to get funding and that was turned down. Um, but eventually on Saturday, we got her into to one not far from where she's living. Unfortunately, it doesn't mean selling the house and using the proceeds for that. And I was trying to work out how much the house had gone up by. Um, they bought it in 1968, I think it was, for £5,000. Yes. Sorry? <laughs> yeah, so it's gone up by <laughs> about 110 times that. Oh so it's, it's Yeah, it's on the market for between 600 and 625 which... I just find a staggering amount of money. That's um, mad. It is mad, but that will fund her being looked after um, for, for many years to come. I, I sadly don't think she's got that many years left. And it's great that she's in somewhere where she can mix with enjoy. other people. Mm. Yeah, just, just enjoy the, the last few. She's a very social years. person, isn't she? She's always loved seeing people. So Yes, yes, she is. And interestingly, she didn't like going to the day centre and... 
Once she was there, she was fine, but the whole process... The journey. Of my sister, yeah, my sister, who doesn't drive at the moment, um, so she's trying to get her on the bus, and uh, it's just a bit of a nightmare. But I'm reminded of a documentary I saw many years ago with Norman Wisdom, who was a comic in the 50s and 60s, and a very, very good singer as well. And he developed Alzheimer's. He lived on his own with an assistant on the Isle of Man. And his uh, son and daughter ummed and ahed over um, putting him in a home, which is a horrible phrase. Um, to be honest, moving him into a home may be mm. better. And eventually they did it. And it was brilliant because he could spend his afternoon singing. Yeah. And you know, the people with him were of a similar age and had, you know, had admired him as a as an entertainer on the stage and television and everybody was happy and because they were suffering a bit from Alzheimer's they can't remember he'd only sung that song five minutes earlier so (laughs) you know which unfortunately is a reality yeah Yeah. so I think and also I think care homes had a stigma from a few years ago Mm. which is not necessarily true anymore and they are eye-wateringly expensive there's no two ways about it but I, I was thinking uh, over the weekend, you know, the increase in my mum's house is astronomical. Ours is uh, of a factor of five rather than a hundred times at the moment. So the, the disposable income is going to come down, doesn't it? It has to do. And then by the time you're at that stage in your life, I would think probably the increase is going to be lower as well. I can't. Mm imagine your house well i could imagine our house going up by five times from when we bought it but so i don't know what happened to that that industry but um, no but yeah and you know seriously if, if you are in that position just go and have a look at them and, and talk to other yeah. people and the respite worked really well because actually it kind of put you all at ease, didn't it? Knowing that actually she did want to go into a home uh, she absolutely. just didn't know that's what she wanted because she hadn't been to one no and i think probably the stigma for her was even worse than it perhaps was for for us but the bottom line is as an individual you can't look after somebody 24 7 particularly uh, you know my sister has um, problems with her back so it's not uh you know it's hard for her as well so it's no she's it's, not a fully healthy person either she's not no so well, that's are any of us from that fam? well quite frankly of that <laughs> age anyway on to different things i don't know why i've put this on the list but i'm going to cover it anyway is the horse whisperer as she's now known yes is has volunteered to to do the shine walk night walk Mm. in aid of cancer research in september yes and she signed up before she realized it was the full marathon course which they it's walk a, rather than it's run. It's a long but walk. <laughs> it's a 26-mile walk, which I'm very impressed that, mm. um, and, and quite touched that she signed up because it's obviously yeah. after uh, my treatment. I don't think she fully realised. No. Uh, but it's a company thing. They're doing it as a company, so there's a group of them doing it. So um, she's not done any training, but then she does walk a lot. There's no two ways yes, about it. So she I does. Think, she'll be, think she'll be okay as long as she gets some... Uh, get some sensible shoes but i think the reason for including it is if any of our listeners and i know the number of listeners is quite low but if you uh, have a few quid and i know times are hard at the moment uh, to spare then if you go to lippy and grumpy.uk forward slash shine then we might be able to get her over the 500 pound 
target she's set she's very close to it yes. um, so anything you can spare plus um, the gift aid would be very appreciated thank you very much I am actually quite intrigued and maybe after she's done it we should get her on the podcast to know what she sees because I in my head it's going to be because obviously it's overnight isn't it like yes, it fully is. yeah. overnight yeah, yeah overnight there's going to be a spectacle of people about to go out in the process of being out going home after being out I reckon there's going to be all the stories coming from that there, there will be without a doubt Wife of Grumpy and I have done on a couple of occasions a treasure hunt style rally in the city of London mm. and it's run over a Saturday night, starts at midnight, well midnight Sunday morning and runs to I think about half past five or six o'clock and there's a variety of clues and it, I mean we approached it um, quite relaxed and not intending to win which is just as well. <laughs> We weren't last, but we certainly were first. And and that's a real eye-opener because you see, you know, particularly Saturday night, lots of people that are a little bit worse for wear. Uh, we had to help one young lady out of the middle of the road where she decided to lay down. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, quite. Um, onto the side of the road. But it's interesting if you, you, know, you go to certain areas and they're really, really busy because the pubs and clubs are still open. Mm. And then you go there a couple of hours later and it's, it's completely dead. deserted. There's yeah. nothing there at all. And it, unfortunately, the event stopped um, mostly because there were some very unusual vehicles that were turned up. And now we have this ultra low emission zone tax that um, just makes it too expensive mm. for people to do. So they've stopped it. But I believe there is a walking one, which should be mm. quite interesting. In, during the day not the night um, but some of the clues are really obscure the answer would be on a clock face at you know the back of the shop that you can just about see oh god so i don't uh, think i'd be very good at that it well it there's two skills involved one is being able to plot very accurately so you know exactly where you need to be and then it's within a certain distance of that that point so if you can plot precisely we all know what happened on my dv yes exactly but that's why you wouldn't be plotting the map you'd be jumping out the car looking for the answer to the yes thing. but uh, sadly not anymore anyway we also we talked about last week uh the duck boy stag do yes we did and somebody sent me a link he's just recovered just, just recovered so that's mm. just over a week somebody sent me a link to an article in metro and the headline is Stag party, crashed barge, sank another, flooded road, and closed canal. Oh, that's a carnage. <laughs> it is. So this is a Worcestershire waterway. Not easy to say. And they hired three narrow boats between them. Uh, this was supposed to be a sophisticated stag party. Mm-hmm. And it is believed the stag do went downhill when the party struggled to operate both the paddles and locks, leading to one of the barges sinking. And it looks like it sunk outside the lock. Uh, a second boat was involved in a crash and then abandoned before the group continued the voyage on a third. So did they let them have three boats? Uh, yeah, it's, it's just just staggering. And I can't imagine how this is going to happen again because there's no way they've ruined that, it uh, for everyone they have ruined it for everyone yeah so it doesn't go into too much detail about how the road was flooded but presumably it's something to do with the lock and the inability to operate it yeah the water rising too high and yes flooding the road yeah 
which they'd done by 9.30 on Friday night. So, uh, I, <laughs> so they went hard early. <laughs> yeah, well, as I think probably most stag do's do, but that is particularly early. Yes. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday, mm. and it is Spaghetti Junction's 50th birthday today. Ooh. So, Gravelly Hill Interchange, as it's officially known as. Oh, that's not as is, fun. It's not as fun, no. Spaghetti Junction is very good. And it joins the A38, the A38M, the A5127, and the M6. And it obviously was opened uh, 50 years ago and has is a, an amazing piece of engineering. I think I've mm. only been over it once on the M6. I don't think I've ever ventured off it. Um, I'm assuming that potentially you could get stuck on that for some time. I've never seen it i don't think obviously i've seen a picture of it because it's very impressive but yes, i've never is. actually seen it in real life yes so statistics it covers 30 acres serves 18 routes two and a half miles of slip road uh just over half a mile of the m6 itself five levels 559 concrete columns i would expect that to be a um even number but mm, never mind reaching up to 84 feet and the engineers had to elevate 13 and a half miles of motorway to accommodate the two railway lines three canals and two rivers so it's not only roads yeah it it's is rivers a, too well you sort of begin to wonder was it actually worth putting it there or would it have been cheaper to yeah. put it somewhere else so anyway so happy birthday to spaghetti junction in fact i think the only time i have been through it was when i went to see the super pre in Birmingham in the 80s and they decided to run a Formula 3000 race around the streets of, of Birmingham obviously they closed the roads to do this yes. it wasn't a free-for-all and it was without a doubt the wettest day I've ever experienced it was glorious to begin with and then as the races started it got wetter and wetter and eventually the cars were going or the Formula 3000 cars were going mm -hmm. up and down and all you could see was a rooster tail of water which obviously isn't very safe so they stopped it so i think there was four of us went so we trudged back to the car absolutely drenched uh, got in the car drove on the m6 to the next service area got out when i had something to eat and we just stood in there just dripping looking like a couple Drowned of like, four four hobos i was <laughs> i was a bit more polite about it <laughs> yeah and that's the only time i've been to birmingham nice was, yeah good yeah. experience sounds like yeah, it, it was great great experience yeah it was good i think they ran it for another year or so and then just realized it was you can't see anything because everything is at road level mm. there's the there possibly was some seating but we couldn't afford to pay for that <laughs> now a question that stumps some people is what makes a city a city oh i used to think it was that it had a cathedral that is not the case i don't know what i would have thought it would be it is in fact royal um ascent I think that's the word. So basically the Queen or the monarch has to say, this is a city. Oh, okay. So it's not like a village where it has a village hall that makes it a village. And a, uh, a village a hall doesn't... No, that doesn't... Is that I, not I the don't thing think, either? No. Well, oh. the thing is that, that Cranley has, is known as a village. It's hanging on to that term quite hard. It has a village hall, mm. but really it's not. It's a town. It's quite big but now, isn't it? it? Is With all the new big. builds as well. Yeah, Absolutely. And Guildford has a cathedral and a town hall, and it is a town. 
not a city. Mm. Anyway, so the Queen's Jubilee, which is in a week or so, yeah. so as part of that, she's consented to grant city status to a few other towns, um, and that has been being given. Ooh. Oh, I did actually. I think I saw some of this. Mm, there's eight of them. So Milton Keynes, Dunfermline in Scotland, Bangor in Northern Ireland, Wrexham in Wales, uh, Stanley in the Falklands, Douglas in the Isle of Man, Colchester and Don- Doncaster, who are all now, or will be cities very shortly. But why become a city is the question I have thoughts of. What, what's the benefit in doing? Because you have to pay to launch this sort of, it's a bit like bidding for the Olympics or some other sporting event. So you have to put a proposal together about why you think your oh. town should be a city. And a lot of it is to do with cultural heritage and royal links. And the more of those you've got, the more chance you have of becoming a city. But the towns that have become cities, so they get a greater income from trade and from people than they did when they were a town. So there's no benefit in terms of taxes or anything else. But tourism. But apparently tourism. I can't imagine Milton Keynes increasing its tourism on the back of being a city. No. It does seem a little odd, although there's some very nice parts of Milton Keynes. So if you're from Milton Keynes, please don't write in and tell, tell us we're being horrible. And one of my favourite museums is just outside Milton Keynes as well. What kind of museum? I'm trying to remember the name of it. Well, it can't be your oh, favourite yeah. then, if you can't remember. It is. It's been a long day. Bletchley Park, which is where the Enigma machine was created yes. during the war. Yes. Yes very very good museum and they've also got a computing museum as well which is quite depressing to go to because you go in there and you go "Ooh, i remember working on that equipment and it's in a museum now yeah weird yeah really weird that is very, weird very isn't weird. it so well well done to all of those towns and our cities um congrats i know you guildford have tried a couple of times um but quite frankly guildford's not a city no it's a town it lost but out to Luton last time, I think. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but I don't think it's worth spending that sort of money at the moment on a bid to become a city. No. Now, I may have forgotten the name of my favourite museum, but I certainly haven't forgotten the name of my favourite film. Should I guess? Yeah, have a guess. Could be one or two, actually. Favourite film? It's not the one with the minis in it. Well, it's, it's not Jaws, is it? Yes, it is. Of course it's oh! Jaws, yes. <laughs> Smashed it. Now, do you remember in the scene where they're trying to open the beaches, or the mayor's trying to open the beaches? Yeah, yeah. And they've got all of, they've got the people up on the tall chairs, and they've got boats and guns and helicopters and all sorts going on. There's two young lads with a yeah. fake fin and yes. snorkels. Yes. yes, love that, that bit. That's a great, bri- bit. yeah, brilliant scene. One of them, and I don't know which one it is, is now the chief of police on Martha's Vineyard, where the uh, program was shot or the film was shot, rather. Ooh. So, if you read the books behind the film, which I have read far too many of, too yeah. Much, yeah, every single one ever written. <laughs> no, I haven't, but not far off. Uh, a lot of the people that appeared in that film were mm. locals on the island, and it's interesting because you tend to think of films on on location 
has been an inconvenience but in terms of martha's vineyard some people reacted quite badly but mostly people made the most of it financially and whether that was appearing in the film or renting houses or Mm. selling pizzas whatever it was they did very very well from that film um so those two lads would have been local lads that they'd picked Picked in a big casting thing and the way that they filmed it was very odd because some of it was towards the end anyway it was very dependent on the weather and whether the shark was working, as the shark is broken, yeah. we went to see. And also, they were almost writing it as they went. So the scriptwriter would spend the evening writing the next day's scripts, or finalising next day's scripts, which is almost unheard of in filmmaking. It is a bit, yeah. A very seat-of-the-pants way to do it. So the two lads would have been, you know, they would have been picked from a casting session, uh, and off they went. And it'd be interesting to try and find other individuals in that film that were from mm. Arthur's vineyard see where they've ended up sadly i think some would have passed on but uh, it is quite an old film though it's quite an old film and they were quite old in it but uh, there, yeah. you know, there's a number of youngsters that uh, that will still be around i wonder what's his name the little boy i wonder what he's doing now there are, i can't remember what he was doing but the young lad that was um consumed let's say fairly early on oh the on the yellow yeah, he Lady. opened, I think, a sandwich shop Ooh. that his on-stage or on-film mother actually visited by accident. I'll have to dig that one out. I've got it in my really? list of things that we were going to talk about when we did the special that we've not oh, yet organised. we haven't done yeah. yet. Yeah. No, we haven't done yet, so maybe I'll leave it until then. Now, I quite like a uh, practical joke. You do? I do. And this one but as long as it doesn't make you jump. No, that's no, that's fairly unpleasant, and yes, yes all round really. There is uh, a prankster that's put him that way, um, who managed to get hold of a bit of land close to Gatwick Airport, and wrote in massive white letters, "Welcome to Luton." <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like that. <laughs> I just brilliant. I was having the. Uh, well, having the land available and the wherewithal to do that, I think it's just brilliant. So he is known as a YouTube prankster, Max Fosh, um, who has apologised if anyone has been seriously thrown. Um, apparently one lady spotted it out of the window of the plane, left her in a state of panic. Yeah, thinking, well, I mean... It has been known to happen, but I don't think it's happened in the UK. I just, I feel like if I'm not the kind of person to get panicked by that like I would just land then deal with it when I got when I was like off there's nothing you can do you're in the air if you're landing at Luton you can't go knock on the pilot door and be like sorry I think you're at the wrong airport no so like <laughs> there's only a certain amount of panicking you can do before like it's just good you'll have to land and then find a way through anyway but that's actually really funny I enjoy that yeah I, I th- <laughs> think it's brilliant and the lady actually managed to take a photograph and posted it on Twitter. Oh, good. And uh, uh, Mr. Fosh uh, owned up. <laughs> the airport people must have been fuming, like the Gatwick airport people. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know. They're very funny. I'll tell you what else is a joke at Gatwick airport. Oh, because you picked up Duck Boy, didn't you? I did, yes. So I was a bit early and I was, that's because their flight was a bit, took longer than it was meant to. So do the thing where you like find somewhere close by that you are allowed to stop. So like at the petrol stations, you're allowed to stop, but only for 20 minutes at a time. And it was quite delayed. And then he had an issue getting through security. So 
I'd already done 20 minutes at one petrol station. So I thought, okay, well, they're at security. They'll be out any minute. I'll just do loops. And previously, just literally, you just do a loop round in circles through pickup, all the way back round to the roundabout, down through again. Anyway, start driving in, seeing bright red pound coins with a pound symbol with a red Mm. circle. And I was like, what's this for then? I'm like, oh, I don't know what this is. And then as I get closer to the pickup, signs, you now get charged when you go yes. and pick and drop off. And yes. it's five pounds for 10 minutes. And then I can't remember what it was over 10 minutes. Then it, it goes up. Me. So I was like, oh, so I can't do loops. So fine, whatever. Went, drove, did a longer route around. There's loads of places you can just drive around. It's not, it was fine. And then went back. They called me, said they were literally outside at the pickup. And I was like, perfect. Drove in, got them in the car. As I was pulling out, I was thinking, hang on, is it 10 minutes total or is it 10 minutes per like drive in? So will it have clocked my number plate twice? And so I was like, oh, I'll look, I'll have to look when I get home because you you have to log on, you have to pay by midnight. Logged on because I'd driven through twice. I got charged 10 pounds to pick them up. Oh, no. And it, I wasn't even in there for 10 minutes. I knew you had to pay, but I didn't realise it was like yeah. the dark for So thank crossing. God I didn't do loops, because it would have just charged me a fiver every time I went past the camera. Oh, that would have been spectacular. No, it wouldn't have. <laughs> so don't do that. No. I made Chris pay for it. I was like, I'm picking you up. You can pay for my two times through the flyby. <laughs> yes, quite, quite right. Yes. Gosh, that makes picking up very expensive. I think mm. that's... A bit unfair, to be honest. Yeah, I still, I still think it's cheaper than short stay, though. So you said it's a fiver for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Guess how much thirty minutes is in the short stay car park? A fiver. Yep. I should have done that. In fact, for ten quid, you could have stayed for sixty minutes. I should have done. I could have gone and got a coffee. I could have chilled out in the pit arrivals. It says that's minimal walking distance. Well, the short stay uh, car park is closer than the pickup. Well, there's a premium short stay parking, as which is parking as close to the terminal as possible, and that's six fifty for thirty minutes. Right, future for future. If I'm half an hour early, just go and park in this short car park. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what they're trying to do then, trying to persuade people to go and park rather than block up the pickup and drop off. So actually, if you stay in the drop-off for 30 minutes, which is the same as the short-stay car park, mm. it would in fact cost you £25. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, that's outrageous. Because it charges you by the minute after the 10 minutes, yeah, it? does, it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, pound a minute. A pound a minute? Oh, a my pound God. A minute. Yeah, quite. Oh, my God. And I didn't even know this was a thing. I don't know how... I don't. To be fair, I don't know why I would have known. I wouldn't have Googled it before because... I know Gatwick Airport, but... Yes, I think it's been on our local news, which is understandable because it's not very far away. But mm. um, for you, it's... Well, I need to do Heathrow in a couple of weeks. I hope that's not the same. Oh, I don't know. Are they owned by the same people? Because I knew they split some up. But I don't like this number plate charging, though. Oh, it's £5 again. If you've got a a wonky number plate, so if you've... Well, if you've pressed all the letters together, which is illegal to make a word... Mm. Then and you go through because one of the reasons for not doing that is if your car's stolen, the ANPR cameras won't necessarily pick up the number plate. So if you've got one of these fancy 4D gel plates, 
then with an odd font, you won't pick yeah. it up. I wonder if that's the same with um, this place. I wonder if that's the same with speeding tickets as well. Well, the thing is, because that's a picture. Uh, yeah, but a lot of them are, they they read the number plate electronically mm. and then send out the um, fine automatically. So it's not somebody doesn't look at it and then type it in. But Whether I would presume a, if it was like an error pulling, it couldn't read it. It would then get sent to a human to read it. That's a good question. Maybe we should uh, do an experiment. I'd rather not get a speeding ticket. Ah, no, but the trick is, and obviously this is not advice, is that you put somebody else's number plate on the car. To test the theory. Yeah, unfortunately, to do that correctly, you really need to clone it. So you need to find one that's identical to yours. Because mm. otherwise you wouldn't get the ticket anyway, so you wouldn't know. Well, you would, but somebody will go, hang on a minute, this is supposed to be a... Um, Citroen something or other and it's actually it's an Audi something or other oh so I see so they go hmm that's not quite right but then you get double fined for being naughty well only if they work out who you are oh I see hmm now we don't want this to become a podcast of skullduggery no so, no uh, please do don't try that <laughs> but it is an interesting thought going back to the Luton sign mm. uh, the guy's got permission to use the land for six weeks it's still there the lettering's still there. So if you look out of your left window, depending on which direction you're flying in, because they alternate which direction depending on the wind, uh, you should see it about 90 seconds before landing. So I'm going to have a go and see if I can work out where that is on, on so the also, Google So it doesn't really matter that it's to your left window, does it, if it, they alternate? Well, it'll either be your left window or you won't see it. Oh, I see. Okay. okay. One, of, one of the two. Or you'll be taken off and it'll be the right window. I see. Okay. Sorry, I thought you were going to say it'll either be your left window or your right window. No, it's not possible. Either of your windows. No, it's either the left window or you won't see it at all. I see. Okay. And it cost him £4,000. That's an expensive but prank. The, the letter, 14 letters are 8 metres by 3 metres. Oh, they would have to be pretty big yeah, for you to see them. pretty big. Yeah, and he apparently went uh, door knocking on fields. I'm not sure you can do that, but I understand what he's saying. Uh, <laughs> next to Heathrow and Gatwick. Oh, to be able to get the land to do it. Yeah, to find the land. I wonder if he told them what they, he was doing. Uh, that's a good question. Because, yeah, I mean, if someone it. knocked on my door and said, can I borrow a bit of your land to do a prank? I'd be like, hell yes. Well, it's uh, 80 metres long, so um, that's quite a chunk of land really i definitely don't have that much land excellent well mr fosh hats off to you yes um, i assume he's made that money back from his youtube channel i presume so yes go, go and investigate that now i think as everybody knows i like a museum well we did wales last week we're doing museums this week <laughs> so i have found and it is with my utmost regret that there isn't one in the UK, the Museum of Failure. I like it. Now, that's a museum I could be in. <laughs> no, don't be daft. So it's a collection of failed products and services from around the world. And uh, it claims it's a fascinating learning experience as we learn more from failure than we do from success, which is very yeah, true, actually. It is very true. Very true. We learn more from falling off a bicycle than we do from actually riding it. Mm. Interestingly, the uh, museum is create, curated rather by a licensed psychologist and has a PhD in organisational psychology, whatever that might be. Oh. So it seems like it 
goes around the world. It's um, a bit of a touring thing. Um, and it's been in Far East America, Sweden, uh, but not here yet. But I will, uh, I will keep on looking. So some of the exhibits are the DeLorean car, which is famous from Back to the Future, the silver silver car with the gold wing doors. And it wasn't so much that the car was a failure. The whole business was a house of cards. And there were some very, very dodgy dealings. There are some very good documentaries about um, DeLorean. Because mm. uh, the car the, must have been quite popular from the film. Uh, I think it helped, but I think the writing was on the wall by that point. And okay. Interestingly, it was designed for the American market rather than the UK market. There are some here, and we do get a couple at the car show. We've had one which was a recreation of the car from Back to the Future, which was mm. really very good and a very popular car. Um, and we had one in the arena a couple of years ago. And I jokingly said to him, uh, so did you get here all right? And he went, no, I broke down twice. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is not, apparently is not unusual. Um, yeah. But I think I, I, yeah, I think the, the thing is that you can iron out the problems with these cars eventually. Mm. Uh, but at the time, so that's late, 90, uh, late 80s rather, early 90s, it was um, a bit more tricky. And the, after the company went bust, the, part, the cars and parts were worthless. But somebody in America had the bright idea just to buy everything they could put their hands on. And now the cars are really popular. They've got a very strong mm. following and they're, they're, they're very valuable. So he, he did really well from that, continues to do so. So other interesting failures were Coke 2. Obviously. Yep. Uh, Google Glass which was some sort of augmented reality that really just was nonsense. Okay. And some sort of odd Nokia, was it N-Gage, which was a phone that was sort of landscape rather than portrait. Oh, yeah. that can't fit in your pocket? Well, it could do, but it's a very odd shape. It looks more like a games console, which I think was probably where they were going. Ah, uh, okay. So lots of interesting things that you can learn <gasps> I've about. I've just seen one. Ooh, that free Pringles. That obviously that was a fail. You're not eating Pringles to be healthy, are you? You no, would have picked the fat-free no. ones over the extra tasty, really fatty ones. Uh, interestingly, 48 months on the market. Mm. I'll tell you what I do miss, and I don't know if it was Pringles. I don't know who made them, but it was the chocolate-covered Pringles. That sounds for- dreadful. They were called Snaps, I think. But um, it was a thing I picked up when I lived in France. And I don't know if it was really a thing, but you'd buy a packet of ready salty crisps and a Twix and you'd put the Twix into the bag of crisps and shake it about and then you would get salty, chocolatey Twixiness. It was so good. They were Cadbury's, Cadbury snaps. Yes. Which, which are Pringle shaped. Yeah. And it's like, it's a potato crisp that's like salty with chocolate. Oh. It's possibly one of those things that you can only buy in France, a bit like uh, pear sorbet, which I've oh, only ever yeah. seen in France, which is it's just it's such a nice thing, and you can't get it over here. We can buy it well, in France, but by the time you've got it home, it's melted. They definitely used to do Cadbury snaps here. Okay. I might also go to the shop after this and buy myself a Twix and a packet of ready salted crisps. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> Excellent. So... Top tip time, Lippy. I actually do have a top tip today. And, and is it a what has Duck Boy done now top it's tip? It's actually not, no. Brilliant. Duck Boy hasn't really done much in the way of 
funny material for the podcast. Well, he hasn't sunk um, a barge, that's for sure. He goes to New York in two weeks and hasn't got a visa yet. But oh, we'll see how that well, goes. That could yes. be a funny. That could be a for another time. Well, there's still a bit of angst over the lost passports. Towers. <laughs> so it's seemingly getting a replacement is quite hard. Mm. So you report it as lost and you're supposed to get something come back. Um, but it's just not happening. So oh. I'm keeping well out of it because I've got a yeah. passport. And, so, and you're yeah. not the one that is lost I didn't them. lose them. No. no. And also you're not the one that's going on holiday in September and really should... Yeah. Should be getting that sorted. That's going to come round so quickly. Yeah. If she can't come, I'm going anyway. She can go on holiday on her own. I'll come. I've got a passport. Oh, yeah, we'll change your flight. Yeah, might as well. It's all inclusive. Double sofa bed. Perfect. Yeah. Anyway, Anyway. that's not my top tip. (laughs) My real top tip is I bought these on Amazon and they came today. They're an Amazon basic. I think I paid £12 for like five of them and a pump which is good value. So I bought myself the vacuum pack bags to put my winter coats in to be stored in the loft. And oh my God, honestly, I was having the best time. I I got about two in a bag. So the bags weren't huge, but you can get bigger bags, but I didn't think I needed bigger bags. Seal them up and then you you have the pump and you pump all the air out and you just see it going... just slowly like crinkling and shrinking in as the air comes out it was amazing i highly recommend it very very good we've got some Mm -hmm. and they're good for duvets as well because a duvet takes up ridiculous amount of space unless you do this i'm surprised it came with the pump because i've always used the hoover or the vacuum cleaner just suck all the air out we've got dyson hoover and i don't know if it reverse oh sorry not dyson shark and i don't know if it reverse suctions why does it need to reverse what what does what does (laughs) (laughs) i can't believe i was literally sat here i was looking at them with without a pump and i was like oh no i need a pump because i don't have anything that reverse sucks but it sucks so that's what vacuum does it does that's what it does I'm you actually don't... crying a little bit with, yeah. with partially laughter and partially embarrassment. Yeah. Oh well, my God. I, I, I think it should be I... mostly embarrassment. God, in my head. Oh my God, I can't believe I've done that. <laughs> I think in my head I was thinking about my hairdryer, which obviously that's where you would need it to be a reverse, not a, not a hoover. Oh golly. Well, now I've got a handy pump. It's all stored. It's not big. It's fine. It's fine. I, I'm going to I'm going to move on with something that I should have covered earlier. Oh, yeah. Spare your blushes with Thank you. what I think is the ultimate out of office message for oh, email yes. or whatever. So this reads I am not in the office, so both cannot and will not respond to your email. If your email is urgent, perhaps you should have tried calling instead. The very fact you were content to type out your query longhand and settle back to wait for a reply suggests it can wait. Even if you put a red exclamation mark next to your email to make it stand out in my inbox, won't wash with me that. <clears throat> Job done. I don't know where this came from, but I, it's an absolute corker. And well, I think it must be Northern for won't wash with me that. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so if you're going on holiday and uh, actually I've got a day off on Friday, I might well put that in my... Do see, it. See, if, see if I've got a job on Monday. <laughs> so I've got a fun fact. 
Okay. And it's from Susie Dent, who mm. appears on Countdown and 8 out of 10 Cats do Countdown. And she does a daily word on Twitter, uh, which I don't think this is it, but it was just a, a random one. I still love the fact that Bluetooth was named after a 10th century Danish King Harold Bluetooth Gormson, said to have a dead tooth or to have loved licorice. He united the various tribes of Denmark, hence the name for choice. Hence the name choice for a technology that is all about connecting. And the Bluetooth logo merges two Scandinavian runes representing the H and the B of his name. What a lovely story. That is awesome. I didn't know that. I had a feeling it was named after somebody, but the details had um, had completely escaped me. And the H and the B um, didn't, no, didn't mean a thing. So. Why B? Well, for Bluetooth. Harold Bluetooth Gormson. But I'm assuming Bluetooth wasn't his... Bluetooth was his nickname. His nickname, um, cool. Because he had a dead tooth. Yeah, got you, got you. That's it for this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can help spread Lippy and Grumpy's view on life by leaving a review on your favourite podcast platform. If you're not sure how to leave a review, or if you download from Spotify, there's some help at lippyandgrumpy.uk slash review. And if you would like to get in touch, email podcast at lippyandgrumpy.uk. So it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from him. Goodbye. Goodbye.